What's happening? This is Daryl with another Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast episode. As always, we're having interesting conversations about prevalent topics over a good glass of wine and whiskey. All right, you know, back for another episode. Same old stuff, different topic. Today I am rocking with um, a brand called Creekwater. It's a bourbon out of Durham, North Carolina, their hometown. You know, I had to uh, had to check it out. So, yeah, really excited to be um, having this discussion over the hometown brand because I'm talking about issues that are affecting my hometown, my home state of North Carolina, and um, the country and the world. So, let's jump right into it. Today, the topic is coronavirus. Where do we go from here? I mean, it, it's a it's a really, really broad topic, but I'm going to try to hone in on a few things as well as give you some calls to action and next steps you can take as you are trying to protect yourself, your family, your community, and and really figure out how do we not allow this to happen again? So, just thinking about the issue of major health scares, major you know, um, society scares that have happened. I've lived through some stuff in my 32 years. You know, not more than some people. I didn't live through a world war or the Vietnam War, the Korean War. But I, I have lived through things like SARS bird flu, anthrax, 9-11. Like, some major stuff has happened within my time since 1987. But I have to say that by far, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, is the one that has created the most hysteria. And it's not just me saying it. My grandmother turns 82 this year, and she said the same thing. Uh, Grandma Mick has lived through World War II. She's lived through... Vietnam War, the Korean War, Desert Storm, so those things, as well as, you know, health scares, famines, um, fucking racism, white people lynching black people. Like, she's lived through some stuff, but when you're talking about mass hysteria, this is it. This is the thing that she said in her 82 years, really, or 81 years and some change, has really, really um, made her say, this, this might be bad. We had a good conversation today. Um, we were on the phone, and um, I was talking to her about the financial aspect of things. And me being a millennial, I have student loans to pay back. I have friends who have student loans to pay back, and some of them are working jobs where they don't have the ability to work from home. So they have side hustles. Some of their side hustles require them to um, to go out of the house. And she's like, "But that's not safe." I'm like, "Grandma, this is the way we live. This is my generation. We have different financial burdens than you had." So um, we just have different perspectives on things. But either way, we both say, in our years, this is this is serious. And I mean, sure, back in her day, there was no social media when she was a kid. Um, and even when I was a kid, I think, let's see, let me think back. There was, <laughs> there was Black Planet. Um, there was MySpace. When I, you know, these are when I was teens, in my teens. But um, there, there wasn't the social media impact that there is today. There wasn't Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Like everything wasn't attributed to a social media response precipitating a public response. So you really have to think, wow, how does our level of connectivity play into the mass hysteria that we have? Um, but yeah, I'm going to jump into that later. 
because like it or not, it's not just information traveling fast that's causing the not only hysteria, but the quick spread, the actual spread of the disease. It's not information that causes the spread of the disease um, or the virus or whatever it is. I'm not sure how to classify. I'm not a scientist nor a doctor. But the fact that people can travel so fast now, you're not hopping on a boat to get from place to place. You're getting on a plane and you're getting across the world in, you know, if you go direct, you're getting from Japan to, to the east coast of the U.S. in 14 hours, if not fewer. So people traveling much faster allows for a disease like this to really take hold of an entire planet. And um, what do we do about that? How do we curb that next time? Do we... I really don't know. I don't have the answer. Um, this Actually, this episode isn't even about that. That just hit me. So I ran with it. little um, stream of consciousness. Never mind that. But um, anyway, I'm going to run through a couple ideas, um, some thoughts I've had. And you know, I would love to hear y'all's feedback or read y'all's feedback via comments on Instagram, on my uh, website, narrowpodcast.com, if you're not listening on that platform, you might be listening on Spotify or, um, or another, another platform, but yeah, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think about this. So do you want to start with the good news or the bad news? Cause there's good and bad that's going to come out of this situation. You can't answer. So I'm going to go ahead and start with the bad and move toward the good negatives, right? So you got the hysteria, the the mass hoarding, the selfishness. Today I walked into Target and um, I needed to get a bag of rice. There was no rice in Target. Like outside of the quick packs, the the rice that holds no nutritional value, all of the rice was gone. You know, all of the organic rices, all of the, just, just the basic rice. It doesn't have to be, even have to be organic, but the basic rices were gone because everyone went ahead and, and bought all of them. The same thing happened with water. I was at Target yesterday and my great aunt had called me and asked me to pick up two cases of water for her. Generally, I don't care about name brands on a lot of stuff especially not water because most of it comes from the same source. But all of the Target brand water, which, you know, is going to save me a little bit of money. All the Target brand waters were gone. There was only Dasani, Aquafina, and the Nestle water. So people just, you know, went out, went out and stocked up on water. I'm the kind of person who I'm always, I always try to be prepared for an emergency. So I always keep a case or two of water at the house. I always keep... Um, Costco size rack of or um, package of toilet paper at the house. You just never know when you're going to need something. When there, especially in North Carolina, we have hurricanes. It gets really bad. Electricity goes out. You can't get out. Or or when it snows, we have streets that haven't been plowed for two weeks. Sometimes depending on where you are. So I'm always thinking. How can I be prepared for an emergency? So when this happened, or <laughs> on top of that, food. My wife absolutely hates 
the fact that I do this, but I keep pasta at the house. I always keep pasta at the house because worst comes to worst, we always can eat pasta. She's vegan, I'm not, but I will put, I'll boil some noodles and put some spaghetti sauce on them and that'll be it. I think it's always important to have some of the basics because you never know when something crazy is going to happen, like right now. That's not hysteria. That's me being prepared as the head of a household. Now, fast forward to this moment in time when people are going out, buying every loaf of bread, buying all of the toilet paper, buying all of the water, all of the hand sanitizer. I'm like, wait, what? Why? What is going on right now? We're all so, so scared because the media says, hey, you might not be able to get these things, so go get all that you can in this moment. And it creates a panic. And now look, we have people being selfish. We have people price gouging. The, I didn't know this. When a governor or, um, yeah, when a governor decides to place a state of emergency on a state, even if there haven't been a ton of deaths or a ton of um, cases reported of a disease, it allows that governor or that government to say, you cannot price gouge. I don't understand why people are sitting here charging $8 for a desktop size bottle of hand sanitizer. That's, that's selfish. Um, not only are we hoarding, but we're price gouging. Come on. No. People are, people are going to lose their livelihoods, maybe not their lives, but at least their livelihoods as a result of this, and we're taking advantage of it. That's capitalism at its worst. So yeah, um, but it, it, it all came from, or excuse me, a big part of that came from mass media saying, this is serious, this is a problem. Let's ramp this up because, you know, they say if it bleeds, it leads. And when you tell people this is going to cause an astronomical number of deaths, then people are going to get concerned. People are going to react as, as opposed to being proactive. And at that point, you have a panic. You have people buying everything. So the media played a big, big role. The mass media played a big, big role in how we have reacted to this situation. But then there's the misinformation that has come from social media. Social media, as I said before, great tool. Um, it allows us to stay connected. But with the influence that social media has now versus the influence it had in 2004, it's not comparable right now I can get on social media and if I had a large enough following I could get on say that the president of the Soviet Union defunct state but whatever the president of the Soviet Union has been shot in the head and is no longer alive and people would run with it why because People just hear, see see action, see something that's exciting, and they go with it. And that has caused so many problems over these past few weeks when we're talking about the coronavirus, the impact that it has, 
And now everybody thinks that this is the most deadly virus ever, but it's not. What it is, is it's very, very dangerous when you're talking about people with weaker immune systems. So you really need to keep that in mind. But more than it being a physical harm that it can create, it will create economic um, trouble for possibly for years to come for some people. If you can't pay your mortgage, then when how do you react to the situation? If you're if you have to choose between staying home and watching your kids or going to work, but your kids are five and six and you can't afford a babysitter, how does that impact your family? These are real issues that people are dealing with, and a lot of us don't think about them because we just don't have to deal with them. And so social media, while it does serve as a tool of misinformation, it also reminds us, let's think about the less fortunate. Let's think about those who don't have, because it's nothing for those people to be us. We could be them if the tables are turned or if we miss a paycheck or if we lose our significant other, or if we go into a deep depression, it's so easy to step into their shoes. So let's not forget them when we're going to the store and hoarding and thinking, wow, I'm glad I have two weeks off of work. No, be grateful. Yes. But really say, okay, what can I do with this time? How can I help somebody? What, what advantage do I have that I can use to benefit the community around me? And that just brings me to the point about the the children. So my last job, I was working at a nonprofit in uh, in that served the Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools as well as Orange County Schools. It's called Table, and they focused on providing kids who didn't have healthy food options with food on the weekends, during the summers, over school breaks. And I didn't know this, but you know, one third of kids in Chapel Hill, Carborough City Schools, which is a very, very affluent area of the United States, one out of every three kids didn't have healthy food options when they went home. They were food insecure. They are food insecure. And if you're thinking about this in an affluent area, then what's happening in communities that don't have the resources that Chapel Hill has, has communities that don't have the economy that Chapel Hill has, the university system, um, access to an airport, things like that. There are kids around the country who I hope don't, but there's a potential that there will be children who go without meals for days because we don't have a welfare system set up to serve them properly. The, the issues that this epidemic is exposing are far past troubling. I, I would say that the issues this epidemic is exposing are sinful. We have taken the time to live in so much pleasure, so much gluttony, so much greed that we've forgotten some of the most vulnerable in our society. And it's people who I definitely believe in helping the homeless adults who are around and doing for those who are less fortunate and truly need my assistance. But there are those who are less fortunate and require the assistance of all. And those are the children. Those are the elders. Those are those people who society, who can't do for themselves. And so society really needs to step up. 
And right now, we are failing those people. And we didn't even know it until this moment. Or many of us didn't know it. So yeah, those are the negatives, right? Let's jump into the positives because there's a lot of good stuff happening right now too or a lot of good stuff that will come as a result of this. First thing, acts of humanity. I saw a tweet about, or a series of tweets about a young lady who saw, you probably saw it too, maybe, I don't know. But a young lady who was walking past a car at a grocery store, we'll call it Harris Teeter today, but she was walking past the car and an older lady who was afraid to get out of the car because she didn't want to get exposed to the virus, handed the young lady a grocery list, said she had been waiting outside for 45 minutes for a friendly looking person to pass and asked, will you please go in there and get my food? Um, My husband and I can't do it. We're concerned. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. She gave the young lady money. The young lady went in, got the groceries, came back, put them into the older lady's trunk, gave her change back. That's beautiful. That's the way we should be interacting. So many of us take for granted our youth, but one day we too will be old if we are fortunate enough to to get to that point in our lives. So treat somebody the way you'd want to be treated. Call a family member who's elderly or a church member or someone from your job and say, can I get you something? Do you need me to run to the store for you? Do you have enough water? And just go. Go and do for others. We have so much. We're so blessed. And even if you don't have a lot, you might not be able to go and pay for anything for them. But you can ask them, hey, can I run to the grocery store for you? I'll go get this. Just hand me the the money. Do what you can for those that you can do it for. That's, That's my challenge to you. And I'm actually kind of jumping I had that written at the end of my, my notes, but boom, that's one of my, uh, my challenges to you in this season of opportunity. You know, that's what I'm gonna call it. It is a season of challenges, but also it's a season of opportunity. We have the opportunity to really show one another, to show the youth, to show the elders. Our generation can say, this is what humanity is supposed to be. We're going to get back to it. And sorry, it took a, a, a worldwide epidemic but we're back we're on the right track we do care about our neighbors so that's one good thing humane acts secondly it's going to sound selfish but it's true right now if you do have the funds and you have not only the funds on you but the sustainable resources i challenge you to really check out the market see how you can set your family up for a better financial future and financial freedom by making proper investments. I'm going to make a suggestion on who you should look to for advice, but make your own decisions, figure out who's best for you. I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest you look toward George Achenpong. He is on Instagram, Twitter. Um, it's George Achenpong. Not very uh, difficult to to spell George. Achenpong is A-C-H-E-A-M-P-O-N-G. He has a phenomenal financial mind. He's really working to get people to a position where they are financially free. This might be that time for you if you have the resources. 
if it's not too much of a stretch for you and your family and your bank account, I say check out the market, uh, figure out what kind of investments you want to make, buy while it's low, and you might be able to change the future of not only your yourself, but your children, their children. So let's make some smart decisions right now financially. Another positive. There is, and this is actually my, uh, my third and last, but it's huge. Right now, there's a potential paradigm shift within the workplace of America. The last one happened in the 30s. Um, you had children's, or 20s, 30s, right around there. You had children's work laws coming into place. You had the 40-hour work week becoming the norm. Overtime gets paid over after that. Things of that nature. That was beautiful. That was a paradigm shift because before that, it essentially was slavery. There was not a minimum wage. You worked and you got what you got and nobody was held accountable. So a lot of people were being taken advantage of. We had to get out of that. Well, guess what? Now we can take another step forward, possibly as a result of this epidemic. So you, we realize now that we don't have to be in the office all the time. We can work from home. We can be effective. <laughs> we always joke, joked before this, and I've seen tweets about it since the, uh, the coronavirus really started hitting the United States. We will joke about the fact that all of these meetings could have been emails. Well, now we're really finding out which meetings could have been emails. Um, we're having phone calls. We're having Zoom conferences. And in doing that, guess what I'm doing? I'm at home. I'm in a good space. I am not hurting the earth by driving to work every day. Come on. How many, how many gallons of gas are not being emitted into the atmosphere because people have to stay home? Driving to work every day, five days a week, kills the planet. You can't tell me it doesn't. Unless you're driving an electric car, and I don't, know the, the stats on that, but even electric cars end up hurting the planet because electricity means you have to heat something up. Usually it ends up heating up water. Water goes into the streams, kills fish. It, it hurts the ecosystem. Driving hurts the ecosystem. The earth was not meant to deal with people emitting toxins into the atmosphere at the rate that we do. It's just, it, it doesn't work. So we have this paradigm shift that's happening right now where we're not having to drive every day. We are working from home. We are actually being productive in a space that we have created, in a space that we feel safe in. It's beautiful. And for so long, or we'll say since the, the 20s, the 30s, people have been so used to being able to stand over your shoulder, watch you, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But what if, we're actually more productive waking up at eight o'clock in the morning, walking into our home office, working until noon, going downstairs and cook myself a healthy meal as opposed to putting the junk in my body that comes from whatever fast food restaurant is around the corner from my office and then going back up to my home office and working for another few hours. My mental health is better. My physical health is better. I'm able to be comfortable where I'm working, and I'm just producing much, much more at a higher quality. 
the paradigm shift that is coming as a result of this is has the potential to change the way America runs. I'm really excited about that. So, you know, the best thing the corona the coronavirus is doing is it's pointing out flaws in our systems. How many elderly workers do we see who aren't able to take off from work? And so they are sitting at Walmart exposing themselves daily, touching things that have been touched by people who have been exposed to the coronavirus. And now you got an elderly worker who is exposed because they didn't have another option. They had to choose, do I expose myself to this virus or do I get fired? That's fucked up. Like that that's terrible. We know that this virus takes the lives of the elderly at a higher rate than anyone else and we're still saying you have to come to work or you're going to lose your job. Come on. We don't have a safety net in place for them. So how do we help them? Because you don't want it to happen to your parents. You don't want it happening to your grandparents. So why should we allow it to happen, happen to someone else's? And I asked this before. If kids can't go to school, what do they eat? What do they do during the summer? You know, Kids live this reality for months at a time, and this is the first time that many of us are even considering it. Every community doesn't have a table to make sure that kids eat every day. So if you are in the Triangle area, uh, specifically Chapel Hill, Carborough, check out tablenc.org. Make a donation. It can be $5. It can be $10. Even if you aren't in that area, they need money. They are going to be feeding kids potentially for the rest of the semester. If you want to give to someone in your community, I am sure there's a local food bank. There might be one that focuses solely on children. But just give something. If it's $5, give it. But we have a responsibility as those who have an advantage and some privilege to give back. Um, I said this before, my challenge to you all, call an old person during this pandemic. Ask them if they need anything. And then keep doing that weekly after this is all over. The same way we leaned on our elders and still lean on our elders for wisdom, they lean, they look to us for support. We have a responsibility to all those around us to make this world better. And if we fail to do that, then we are living far under our potential. Success isn't about how much money you make or how well known you are. It's about how many people you help. How many people are you going to help over these next few days, weeks, months? How many people are you going to help over your lifetime that you never would have had it not been for this virus? Let's take this negative and flip it to a positive. Let's switch. Let's flip the whole world around. I'm ready for a change. How about y'all? Anyway, that's my episode. Um, Check out my Instagram page. I'm going to drop a couple nuggets on how you can work from home effectively because while my job is anywhere from 60 to 90 percent remote I know a lot of us are new to this and so how do you make sure that you're being effective how do you manage your time properly I'm going to drop a couple nuggets on Instagram make sure you check it out I actually might do a video I haven't done a video for the podcast yet so yeah um, make sure you check it out share it, repost it, and 
hope y'all are safe. I hope that your families are safe. I hope that you don't lose any loved ones. And I hope that from this episode, you were able to take some nuggets that then you can pass on to those around you. Have a great day and a great week. See y'all next time. Peace.